Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Today, I'm not going to ask for a passage of scripture to appear there, although I'll do that slightly later. The title of my message is uh, uh, Spirit-Empowered Community. What is a community that is empowered by the Holy Spirit looks like? Because one of the things that we said when we were sharing vision was that we want to be able to see the power of God at work in our meetings. We want to be people who are filled and strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to be people who are glorifying and honoring Jesus. And, that's, and for, that, for us to do that, it's important for us to always bring understanding about what kind of community we want to build, what kind of community we want to see among us. And I'll, I've, t- I've titled this Spirit-Empowered Communities. And the journey of the Spirit is very interesting. For those who feel or think that the power and the activity of the Spirit started in the 1960s when the Spirit was moving and when the Pentecostal and the charismatic movements emerged, let me surprise you. In Genesis 1-2, the Spirit is there. What's he doing? Responsible for the creation together with the Father and the Word and the Word who is Jesus Christ. So the Spirit has always been there. He didn't come on the day of Pentecost or in the 1960s. The Spirit of God has always been there from before the world was created. He is God. He is divine. He is powerful. He is sovereign. He is the Spirit. And also, the Spirit of God is not just for now, for this age. The Spirit of God is also for the future age as well. Because if you read Revelations 22, verse 17, it says, The Spirit and the bride are calling. What are they saying? Come. So the Spirit is calling together with the bride, which is the church. There seems to be a unity there where the the bride has embraced the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that what what resonates with the Spirit resonates with the bride. And they're saying, come. So the Spirit of God has been there in the past. He's always been there from before creation, and he'll always be there in the future. But there has been a journey of the power and the presence and the Spirit of God. You pick up in uh, Exodus 3, where, when Moses just sees a bush that's burning, but it's not consumed, because the power of God has come. But later on, so this is a power of God that has come, but it seems to be contained somehow. So the presence and the power of God is contained. It's a bush. You step out of the bush or from that place, there's no presence and power of God. And then later on, he's leading the people of God and he arrives at this mountain in Exodus 19, which is called Sinai. And all of a sudden, the power of God comes and descends on the mountain and the Spirit of God is there. So the Spirit of God is on a mountain. If you don't touch the mountain... You can just observe the power of God, but you're not going to encounter the power of God. But then later, we see the presence of the power of God in a box. A box. Can you believe that? The power of God is contained, not in a bush, not on a mountain, in a box. The Ark of the Covenant. We remember the story where someone decided to balance it, and what happened? He died. Don't touch the box. And then later, it goes from the box to a tent. 
So Moses goes in and prays, and the spirit, the power of God comes and is in the tent, but he's still contained. It goes from the tent into a temple in 2 Chronicles 2 till 5, where the Spirit of God comes and rests upon the temple. The Bible tells us that even the, the priests could not minister. When they entered the temple, they could not even stand to minister. It's almost like the day of Pentecost where they thought the priests were drunk this time because the presence of God was there, but it was still contain. You leave the temple, it doesn't feel like anything is happening. It doesn't really look like anything is happening. But the prophets from Joel, Joel 2.28, he's beginning to look into the future. Prophetically, he's speaking about what is yet to come. So Joel is saying, one day, in the last days, God will pour out his Holy Spirit in a tent. Oh, good. On all flesh. <laughs> Which means the spirit, God, Joel is seeing what is about to happen and is going to happen in the future. Which means the presence of God is no longer going to be contained. The presence of God is going to be released. No longer on a mountain. No longer in a box. No longer on a bush. No longer in a temple. But the people of God could not fully understand what Joel is saying. And then later, Matthew reports that John the Baptist was declaring something about Jesus. He says, you see me, John, I'm good at baptizing. I baptize people with water. But there's one that's going to come. So everyone's still waiting, by the way, like that drum roll. Everyone's still waiting. I'm... John is saying, what Joel said is true. There's someone who's going to come. And by the way, he's not going to baptize you just with water. He's going to baptize you with the spirit and with fire. And then Jesus, on the last day of the great feast, he stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty, John 7, 37, Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given. Since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But there's still that drum roll. I love how they, I was watching Vanessa, that she goes, do, 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 and then she goes, Psh. and this is the Psh moment. Don't laugh. I'll observe. But actually, Jesus goes to the grave. He dies, and he's raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us, and we know, that now Christ has this glorified body, Christ is glorified, and it means that John 7 has to be fulfilled, that now when Christ is glorified, the Spirit will be given. And when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts, and the Spirit of God was poured out. He said, wait in Jerusalem, for something is about to happen. 
there's about to be a psh in the spiritual realm. Because the build-up was the people were speaking about what was contained would be released. And then finally, it's about to be released. And the disciples are waiting in Jerusalem. They're wondering what's about to happen. Because in themselves, they can't fathom what Christ has told them. And we know very well that the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost. And he came not just in a room. They were in the room. But the Spirit didn't just come and fill the room. The Spirit came upon people. Flesh. People like you and I. On all flesh, the Spirit of God was able to come. Which means the Spirit can no longer be contained in a room or a place. But the Spirit of God has to dwell in the people of God. But listen to what Paul says where he uses a temple language in two passages, but in two different ways. The temple language, a temple was where God will dwell by his spirit. But he uses this to refer not to the temple anymore. Firstly, he says here in Ephesians 2.22, he says, In him, who is that? Christ, you two are being built together, the church, brothers and sisters, together those who've been here in Dubai for a very long time and those who are just arriving. I was talking to someone here earlier. His name is Ephraim. He said, I've been here three months. So some people here have been here for 10 years. So all these people together in Christ, you are built together. You are built closely together to become a dwelling place where God dwells by his spirit. Which means the temple or the where God dwells is no longer in a building. It's when brothers and sisters come and are built together to become a temple of God. Which means the building seems to be irrelevant. The box and all the things that where the spirit or the presence of God used to dwell are no longer relevant. Because God is interested in a people. Which means Joel's prophecy is now being fulfilled. Which means the spirit of God according to Paul as he observes... Things that have happened already, as he looks back in Acts 2, he's realizing that the Spirit of God has now found a new temple. And a new temple is not a place like this. A new temple is the people of God who come together. A people of God, when we come together to worship God together, the Spirit of God comes. We become this temple where God dwells by His Spirit. Plural. Together. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 619, this is what Paul says. Do you not know that your body, singular, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Do you not know that? He's reminding the Corinthians that it's it's not just a corporate body when we come together, we become a temple. Where God dwells by his spirit. But he's actually saying that the spirit of God dwells in you, Cammie. That you, as an individual, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You can think that he's confused Paul. No, he's not. He's seeing individuals who are believers in Christ as those whom the Spirit of God can dwell and they can become a temple. But he's also seeing 
a corporate setting like this, when we come together, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So where does the Spirit dwell now? The Spirit has been released, no longer contained in a building or a place. The Spirit is among the people. So when we come together like this, the Spirit has come. Let me just give you about 10 things that speak of the Spirit of God say empowering. When the Spirit of God empowers a community like us, what do we see? What do we see when God comes upon a community? Last year, I did something about what, this, what we witness and see when the Spirit of God comes upon indiv- uh, individuals. But today, we are doing upon a community. The first thing is Spirit-empowered communities or churches are Christ-centered, Jesus-glorifying. Ephesians 1, uh, 2, 22, excuse me, it says, in who? In him. Who is him? Christ. We have been built together. So that means the Spirit's responsibility is not to glorify the Spirit, but the Spirit's responsibility on earth is to glorify Jesus. So when the Spirit comes, he doesn't testify of himself, he testifies of the Son, who is Jesus Christ, because he's built in him. Luke, in Acts 16, calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. So the Spirit's responsibility is Christ. If you want to know Jesus more, the Spirit will reveal Christ to you. He is the one who comes and reveals Christ. So when we come together like this, how do we know that we are a Spirit-empowered community? Is when Christ is the center of everything we do. And let us strive in every way, not in a legalistic way, let us maintain this obedience of faith that is rooted in Christ alone as the Spirit enables us. It is only in Christ that we are able to do anything. In Acts 2, when the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up. What does he do? He preaches Christ. The purpose of the Spirit is to exalt Christ. The purpose of the Spirit is not to make us feel good, but is to make Christ glorified. It should always be Jesus who gets the glory. Number two, spirit-empowered churches are supernaturally unified. Ephesians 4.3 says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's a sense of eagerness here for this unity of the Spirit, but it doesn't say be eager to make unity work that doesn't work. There's already unity in the body of Christ and the unity that came was through Jesus Christ dying on the cross because we were once separated from God but also separated from one another. And it was through the cross and the resurrection that what was impossible became possible. That we had a relationship that we couldn't have in the past with God through Christ. And not only are we having a relationship with God But through our relationship with God, we get to have a relationship with one another. And that has happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit helps us not to make unity because unity has already been attained for us. But to maintain unity. But Paul uses the word here, eager. 
let me say this. Gossip doesn't bring that eagerness to maintain the, the unity of the spirit. Bringing, pulling one another down does not bring that. There's no sense of eagerness for what Christ has already accomplished. Fighting in the church does not bring that. Speaking not good about one another doesn't bring that. What brings that unity? And the only way we will know that they had Jesus' disciples. Here's another way. Maybe one of the ways, sorry. Is that they love one another. Let us love one another from the heart. Because that's where the spirit dwells. It's a fertile soil for the spirit of God. When we're pushing one another, when we're speaking badly of one another, then the spirit is not there. The spirit is where there's a peace of God. There's a humility and a patience and bearing with one another. Because in that same passage, this is what it says. It says, with all humility. Before it says, be eager. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It's not just maintain it. Work really hard to keep it as it is. There seems to be humility here. God is calling us, City Hill, into this place or this posture of humility. Into this posture of gentleness. Where you want to be harsh. No, gentle. Because you have the spirit in you. Patience. Bear with one another in love. And that's where the spirit is. That's a community that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number three. Spirit-empowered churches pursue holiness. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because it says, it doesn't say he's just spirit. It says he is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in, helps us and cleanses us to be more like Jesus. He does the work of sanctification in our hearts, cleanses, makes us more like Jesus because in ourselves, just by ourselves, we cannot do it. We can have a beautiful community. We can have lots of study in the Word. We can have all sorts of things that we do together. Without the Spirit, holiness cannot be accomplished. But the Spirit is the only one who drives us into holiness because He drives us into Christ. Second Peter, 1 Peter 2, 5, sorry, Ezekiel 36, excuse me. It says, God will give us a new heart. He'll put his spirit in our hearts and will cause us to walk in his statues. It is only when the spirit comes that he brings a different heart to us, which is a heart of God, a heart of flesh, a heart that is responsive to God. Holiness is not something that you have to beat your body and to try and achieve. Holiness only happens when the spirit is at work. The Spirit sharpens and shapes us to walk in righteousness. The Holy Spirit is always going to increase our appetite for holiness. Where we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be set apart for God. And it's the only Holy Spirit of God that can do that. Number four, Spirit-empowered churches won't overstate buildings. It's not about the building, a sanctuary. It's not, God does not dwell in a building anymore. Even when Solomon built a temple, God told him, the temple is very small. Heaven is my throne. 
Yes, it's my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Spirit does not dwell in a building. He dwells in his people. That's why 1 Peter 2, it says, 5, it says, You yourself, like living stones. If you imagine, this is another temple language. If you imagine a temple has these stones that are put together, brick and mortar. It's no longer brick and mortar. It's now a people, living stones. Each one of us here, you are a living stone. We have been built together as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. It's no longer priests in the Old Testament. We together are a holy priesthood. And we offer not doves, not goats and sheep, but spiritual sacrifice that is acceptable to God. We are a new people of God in New Jerusalem. It's no longer about this place or the millennium or where we're going to be or the nice coffee that we get in some places. Hey, let us treasure our times together because that's where the spirit is. The spirit, the church that is empowered by the spirit, it focuses and prioritizes the coming together of the believers more than the place where we go. So let's treasure when we come together. Is it easy in our context? No, it's not easy. But let me just encourage you. I feel we've been one of the most resilient church because of the changes that are happening all the time. In most places that I know, the church can be there for years and years. It doesn't have to move at all. So people are not resilient to change. When change comes, it feels like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in their lives, even if they can move next door. But we, next week, you're not going to be sitting where you're sitting now, probably. (laughs) Not because this is not comfortable, but because the building makes no sense. This is God when he comes and dwells among us. Let's pursue him. Because he comes and he dwells by his spirit. Five spirit-empowered churches are gift-based. We are gift-based when it comes to leadership and everything else. It's not about your appearance and how you look. It's not about your title. It's not about your background. It's not about your degree. It's purely and entirely about what God, through his spirit, does in your life. So when, you, when God raises you up, he raises those he's called to do the things that he wants them to, be, to do. If God brings you into leadership, even soon we're going to be profiling new leaders of different teams here. You are not there because of your talent. You are there because of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Where you are leading now. And I believe God will begin to raise up more leaders here. And the only way it happens is because the Spirit of God is at work in us. And he gives gifts to men and women, young and old, God will pour out his Holy Spirit. John Stott says, the New Testament never contemplates the grotesque situation in which the church commissions and authorizes people to exercise a ministry for which they both lack the divine call and the divine equipment. He calls and he equips through the Spirit. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. He does not call the trained. 
he trains those he calls. He brings them together to himself and he takes them through a journey. Sometimes the training might be really hard. It might be really painful. It might take a long time. But hey, God refines us and gets us to a place where we are good. Six, spirit-empowered churches are alive and safe. They are alive and yet they're very safe. First Thessalonians 5, 19-22 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is, that which is good. Which means we are not to quench the Holy Spirit. That when the Spirit of God is in our midst, it, He brings life to us. But at the same time, we feel safe in Him. So for those who are prophetic here, I want to say this. Let us always, just always be willing for others to test it, to examine it. Let us always, it doesn't say some. I get a lot of people who say, this person prophesied over me, which means what they prophesy, other than anyone else in the world, I can't test it. They've already been tested. Now test everything. But then it says, Hold fast to what is good, which means sometimes you might get a word from God in any way, whether it's the preaching of the way. We might get a word, and then it doesn't feel like it's the right word. Maybe in that word, there's something that is good. Hold fast to that. And everything else that's not good, what do you do? Exactly. So that means when we come together like this, we come together before God our Father. We're not coming together before a schoolmaster. Because what you try to do with a schoolmaster is you try not to make any mistakes. But when you come as a son or a daughter before God and he gives you something, you bring it even though you might make mistakes. It's fine because you are safe because it's before God. And the responsibility, Paul is saying this because he knows the, the responsibility here is for us to test it. To hold fast to what is good and to get rid of what's not good. So let this be an atmosphere where the prophetic in, in this church will flow with such freedom. And we enable that because it's a safe environment. Where the spirit of God is, there's life. But also let's know as you bring words, as you step out, as you do things in your own gift... You are safe because it's your father. Seven, the spirit of God, uh, the spirit empowered churches, excuse me, are innovative. Exodus 3, oh, sorry, 31, 2 to 4, it says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze. Let me just say this. One of the things that we pick up from reading this passage is this, that sometimes we think all the stuff that we do here at the front is the spiritual one, but some of the stuff that those guys are doing at the back is not spiritual. And the spirit is not there. Some of the stuff that these guys put together and put on Facebook and all these creative minds in this church, we think that's not the spiritual bit. But actually, when you read this passage, 
is that God's spirit came upon someone and all of a sudden that person was very creative, was able to do stuff that you can't do. You think, how is this person able to bring that concept and bring that concept together to produce something like this? Remember, out of nothing, God created. He is the most creative God and he empowers us with creativity. Let us celebrate creativity in this church because we are spirit-filled people. So when we see things happening in this church, that's amazing. Let's not say, oh, no, no. They have started now with all this nonsense that's not spiritual. I want to go on my knees. It's not about just your knees. It's about Christ who empowers people with gifts that sometimes you have to work behind the scene, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that God wants you to do. Artistic, intelligence, and all these things are the work of the Spirit. That's amazing. When I read that, I thought, wow, this is brilliant. So we need to be always, when we see some great things that our people here have been able to pull together, let's celebrate with them. Let's go to them, pat them back, hey, man, the Spirit of God is doing something amazing in your life. It's not just when someone is on the floor. The Spirit works in ways we cannot fathom. We cannot contain Him. Eight Spirit-empowered churches are supernatural from the center. What do I mean by that? It's not just the Spirit of God does not just um, give birth to a church in a supernatural way, but the Spirit of God also helps the church to be supernatural in its existence. So it's not about the church was born in a supernatural way where Christ was raised from the dead and, and he, he rose upon high and now the spirit comes upon people. The church is born. Yes, hallelujah. That's it. But signs, wonders, and miracles are just a sign that we are a supernatural people. That things can be the same with this community when you compare it to other communities out there. There's something different about this community that we believe that God still heals today. I might pray and it might not happen, but I believe this is a fundamental truth that I've read in the scriptures after the Holy Spirit came upon people that God does heal today. But also I believe that God does do incredible miracles we are not those who pursue miracles. We are those who pursue Christ. Let me make that very clear. We are not pursuing miracles. We pursue Jesus. But God has, give birth, has given birth to a supernatural community that does things very different. That even as we testify and tell the world what God can do in this church, and people will say, it's hard to believe that. And the reason they'll find it hard to believe that someone got healed or something happened is because... They don't know that we are a supernatural community. And let's not settle for less than that. Nine, spirit-empowered churches are churches of both word and spirit. They're not just churches of the spirit, but they're churches of the word as well. I've gone around and I have many times have spoken to people who are saying, we just want the spirit. No, 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 we don't want the, we don't want the book. I don't know which Holy Spirit is that. I need to question you. 
But they say the Holy Spirit that I read about from the passages of Scripture is the one who loves Scripture. Let me make an example. Paul is the one who wrote Romans. This incredible magnum opus book that speaks of the majesty of God. That's so theological. It's robust in every way. But at the same time, that very same Paul is the one who takes a handkerchief and he does some unusual things. Can you reconcile the two? Word and spirit. I think sometimes Paul, if Paul were here, he would go around to some churches and say, you need the word of God. There's no word in here. And he'll go around some churches and say, you need the spirit of God. There's no spirit here. Word and spirit. Because that word, spoken word, with the power of the Holy Spirit, reveals the true word of God, which is Jesus. They say, just word without spirit, you dry up. Spirit, no word, you blow up. And word and spirit, you grow up. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that's an interesting thing. That it doesn't come from the Bible, by the way. Just It's by the Spirit. <laughs> At Pentecost, the Spirit comes and the Word is proclaimed. So the Spirit of God comes and he empowers Peter, a guy who was shy, who couldn't do anything. Now Peter stands up with the 11 and he proclaims the Christ. Spirit of God come, the Word of God is proclaimed. We need to desire more of the Spirit and more of the Word of God. We need to be rooted in the Scriptures. We need to love the Scripture. Do you know who motivates us to love Scripture? The Holy Spirit. Lastly, Spirit-empowered churches are missional. One of the warnings I want to give to us is that if we are meeting-centered, a context like this where it's all about the meeting, we miss something of what God wants to do around the world. Because let me tell you why. Almost everywhere, and almost everywhere in the scriptures, if you read your Bible well and carefully and go beyond when the Spirit comes, you'll realize that the Bible says when the Spirit comes, he motivates you to be missional. It's almost as though the fundamental purpose for the Spirit of God to come, apart from all this, but the fundamental purpose is so that we might be missional. The Spirit of God does not just come to make us happy. The Spirit of God does not come just for us. The Spirit of God comes for Jesus. And Jesus is not going to stop until the nations are won for him. He's not going to stop. If you came this morning and said, I just want to touch so that I can manage my week, so I can feel so good. Let me tell you one thing. You don't know who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has been given so that Christ might be glorified, so that we might testify of the goodness of Christ. And let me say this, even when you are struggling here and you're finding it really hard in your life right now, so much is happening in your life, let me tell you what, God wants to touch you by his Holy Spirit now. And the reason he wants to do that is not so that you can feel good and your problems can go. It's so that the issues in your life can be dealt with, so that you might be released. There's a so that, that you might be released not to feel good, but to declare in this city and in the nations. So if we are spirit-empowered church, one of the signs is that we will be missional. But if we're not, then I'm not so sure who dwells among us. I'm going to do something a bit unusual this morning. 
And that is, I'm going to call Cami. Can you come forward? Audrey, where's Audrey? Where's Audrey? Audrey, can you come forward, please? It's all right. Where's Elizabeth? Can you please come forward? Andrew, can you come forward, please? I want us to really not do all the talk and, and less action, but to do the talk and the action. I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. Let's all stand. Shall we do that? Can you, can you come here? And let me just say this. You might be looking at your clock and saying, or your watch and saying, oh, wow, it's coming to that time. I just want to say this. Let's be, let's press into God for him to come and refresh and fill, and, and fill us in power. We are not here for power's sake. We are here for Christ's sake. We want power for Christ's sake. But today, let it not be a, a one-off thing. I got Filled with the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit a few years ago. That was enough. And it's not. If Paul says continually, if he needs the Holy Spirit all the time, you too need the Holy Spirit all the time. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.